Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Russ from my Hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well for this channel. Please consider subscribing and hitting that bell icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Um, we've got a big charity event coming up on Thursday um, for the Iron Supporting Food Bank, so make sure you keep an eye on that. And also we're doing some stuff for Isla's Fight campaign with Steve Krieger and the Miami 7 Prince. So um, loads of stuff coming up, so make sure you hit the bell icon um, so you made aware of any time I put new content on. Loads of great guests coming up, including today's guest. Another recommendation for Mr. Phil Whelan from Stop Hammer Time. He does like uh, recommending uh, good guests, and they've all, they've all no, no pressure, Jim, but they've all been great. Um, <laughs> it's Jim Reed. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm well, Russ. I'm very well. I'm, uh, you, you well yourself? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, obviously, you know, we've had... We had two uh, friendlies today, didn't we? Simultaneously played yeah, for some good reason. Wins. Good wins. I know. Take that. We'll take hey, that. How getting a hat trick, uh, you know, it, it, that's what we've waited for. Let's hope yeah. he can turn it on in the season. Yeah, exactly. And it was quite interesting how they split because I was on the apprehend I was on the assumption that once it like the under 23s were going to do Wickham and Ipswich were going to be the first team. But no, they split them both and uh, yeah. they all played well. You know, Boeing got a couple as well, which was good. Which is encouraging and um, nice to see Dean Garner got, I think he got like a hat trick of assists as well. So yeah, I, I saw a couple of those uh, online and he, he looked quite nifty. I mean, obviously he's done well at West Brom, but if he can step up at this level, it'll save us a lot of money. Yeah, definitely. It's what we need. We need that sort of left. We've got Bo We've yeah. got the right covered now with Bowen. So uh, if he could do the left, that will do us nicely. Nicely, nicely. We wouldn't have to spend any money we haven't got, so it's okay. Well, we're not spending any money. <laughs> I know that online people are shouting and tearing their hair out. We're not going to spend any money. Don't be under that apprehension. If we can get a, a couple of fullbacks and a centre-half and maybe a centre-forward of some sort of cover, I think that would be it. All yeah. cheap, all loans. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we're all pretty uh, assuming that's going to be the case, don't we? You know, we're a bit realistic nowadays. But um, how are you? How, how's, how's lockdown and stuff been for you and, and the production company and stuff? 
Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, uh, we're very lucky that we can get on. Most most of our work is sort of mucking around, really. Uh, but being in lockdown means that me and my business partner, who's a Fulham supporter, don't waste most of our time just talking about football, which yeah. is what we're inclined to do. So lots of Zoom calls, lots of reading scripts, and uh, fortunately, there's a the government of help with an insurance scheme for television. So production starting again. And we've got something filming in Liverpool next month. So oh, fantastic. I can't complain. Nah, I, nah, I've exactly. kind of, I wouldn't say I'd enjoyed it. It was great when football came back. Yeah. It was uh, good to sort of uh, have my son uh, around my place watching the game, particularly the Chelsea night, you know, and uh, yeah. it just gives you something to worry about and get depressed about. And uh, exactly. we're, we're only two and a half weeks away from that happening all over again. I know it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It's like proper, like famine, not fate, not far, famine and feast the other way around. It was like a, you know, we had no, we had loads of football, we had no football, then loads of football, then no football, yeah. and now we're back to having, you know, I mean, yeah, I think we got Brentford on Saturday, you know, the other stadium next week. We got Bournemouth, and it's um, yeah, it's crazy how quickly it's all happening. Um, are you, are you, when you listen, when you watch the, watch the games with your son, you and your son, are you a crowd noise on or off type person? I like to flick between the two, Russ. I mean, I, I do. It is fantastic. And it was, it was really telling in the first two games when we didn't play that well, how little mm. noise was coming from our players. Yeah. One of the things about the, the current team that you worry about, that there aren't many leaders. Uh, you know, Rice, one of the youngest players, yeah. seems a lot more motivated than some of the older players who should know better. And obviously Noble is mm. as well. But um, I, I ended up with the crowd noise in the end just to pretend yeah. it was like a normal game. Um, and I don't, I can't see us back in the stadium for quite a while, unfortunately. No, no. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I was, it's, it's funny, you know, you, you just walk around, you, you know, I live in Ornchurch, so, you know, I'd walk around in a shirt and people yeah. just stop you for a chat about West Ham. It's like, okay, let's talk about West Ham, obviously two metres apart, social distancing. Um, and everyone I've spoken to, they were like, yeah, we're not going to get back this side of Christmas. And I'm like, well, yeah, probably. I think that's probably likely. Um, yeah, maybe 15,000 in the stadium. I mean, you know, God willing, it will happen. But I, I, I'm suspecting not, not seeing many games this season. No, no, no. It's, and it is weird. I mean, I, I'm one of the 300 there. And um, it's really, really weird. You know, it's so quiet that you can hear the journalists' computers, like laptops, yeah. clicking. And it's like, that's how quiet it is really... My my series just turned itself on, now we? Um, right. And um, yeah, but I mean, even even when I'm at the ground, I have to put the crowd noise on on my iPad just so I can, because it's just so weird. I just yeah. I don't like it. But um, Wait, you know, a game like the Chelsea game, which would have been so oh. so special with a crowd there, and seeing Lampard after the game, and I I don't dislike him as much as most of our fans. But he was so upset. He would have been a lot more yeah. upset if the crowd had been there because he would have got oh, so yeah. much stick that night. And you had, and you had. I mean, you, you had Mark Noble there. Mark Noble, you know, and he obviously wasn't in the in the squad. But I saw him. He was sat in the, in essence, where the disabled area is. Yeah. That's where they all the all the auxiliary squad members are because they're already socially distanced chairs already. Um, and he was kicking every ball, every ball, and. Yeah, uh, and and then as soon as the whistle went, 
he he leaped over the barrier. He could have easily done his ankling, to be honest, because he just wanted to get down and get into the tunnel and get into the changing room and and celebrate. And so you know, we had you had a an you know you had a fan there in in Mark. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, uh, it was it was great to see. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, they did the job. Moisey's done the job again. You know, he's come and done. You know, if he had a job a performance, job performance, he's, he's, he's achieved what he set out to do twice. Fair play. Yeah, to I think I think he. I mean, I when he got sacked the first time, I was all for keeping him. Me too. And I, I think there's a there's a real distance between what our supporters want and what reality is. And I think mm. he, I can see his drawbacks, but I think he'll build a solid team. Uh, I don't think we'll be in a relegation fight this season. And we're just going to go from there. They've got to have a plan. And, and then eventually, maybe we'll get new owners uh, and we'll have some money. But I think for the next few seasons, we're just going to be bobbing along. Yeah. And those of us who've been supporting the club for many, many more years than we like to uh, you know, talk about, you know, it's never been that much better. Although a lot of the players I'm going to talk about did come from a period when we got to finals. That yes. would be nice if we could bring that back again. Yeah, that would be nice. I, I, fan, I fancy the League Cup this year. Yeah. We haven't won that one yet. And um, no one else gives a shit about it. So, you know, it, but it, it's it's just the nature of when the League Cup starts, isn't it? It starts in, I think it's the, it's the game after. I think we play Newcastle on the Saturday. And I think it's the 16th. The first is like the first yeah. round we're in. And so naturally, you're not going to put out a weekend team because you've just started the league you know it's all about maintaining by january you know how your season's panning out and if you're doing all right then you'll have a go in the fa cup because yeah. you know you've got that and but i i'd fan i thought i wouldn't mind to go at the league at the league cup this year and i'm not being funny moise can put two teams out and 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 perform like they both did this uh, all being a friendly it's um it's encouraging to see um and and yeah, Premier League next next year this year, so you can't really complain. I feel sorry for people like Watford, Watford fans, really, because the last time they saw their team was in the Premier yeah. League, and the next time they see it, they're in the Championship, and it's like, I know, and, and it, it, well, they shouldn't have gone down either. What, what, what no. that club were doing, sacking the manager when they did, but um, fortunate for us. Yeah, well, it's that it's that we were like the battering ram of the Premier League last year. I think we got like two or three play two. I think we relegated a couple of teams. We got a couple of managers sacked as well. I think we, you know, we did we uh we sort of made a big impression without necessarily our own league position. But uh, yeah. now, now, Jim, you, you mentioned about you know you've been a, a, a fan for more years than you'd like to remember. How did it start for you? Um, why is West Ham your club? Well, it, it was uh, it was sort of inevitable, really. It, you know, my dad, like like so many, and I think one of the great things about supporting a football club, uh, particularly for West Ham fans, is the the nature of the area around the ground yeah. and the culture's changed so much in the last sort of forty years. Uh, my dad's family from Bethnal Green and Stratford, West Ham supporters. Um, I was brought up in in North London, but uh, I had to be a West Ham fan. Yeah, so. Uh, my first game, I, I was sort of really racking my memory for this. I think I've got this right. It was uh, January 67 uh, against Stoke City. And uh, I didn't see a huge amount of the game. And we used to, I went with my dad and we used to stand uh, at the bottom of the South Bank on the right-hand side, if you're facing, uh, the mm. North Bank, rather, if you're facing the South Bank. Yeah. And um, it was a 1-1 draw. Jeff Hurst scored. That place... Uh, unfortunately, my father died when I was a teenager. And when I started taking my nephews to matches, 
that's where we used to stand. And it was a sort of, uh, and they, they'd known my father, but he died when they were yeah, sort of relatively sure. young. And it was a sort of place of sort of remembrance for us as yeah, much as anything else. It was something to do with the family. But the mm. first game, the thing I really remember about it, because it was actually more exciting than the match, is that after the match, we went to a pub where my dad met um, some of his cousins and also friends. And I was sort of smuggled in, given a, a, a lemonade and uh, some crisps, which was fantastic. But we didn't stay that long. And walking back to Upton Park Station, we then got some fish and chips, which became a ritual for us every time yeah. we went to a match. And um, also I was told very firmly by my old man, don't tell your mum we went to the pub. So I felt going back on the train that I had this sort of grown-up sort of yeah. vow to keep to my father. And um, I used to go to with, with him a lot. And he usually worked on a Saturday. So he worked on building sites. So my memories were always meeting him at Bank Station because he always seemed to be working on sites in the city. Mm. So from that moment on, you go, it's your team, through thick and thin, uh, a lot of thin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and you put up with it and, yeah. and, you know, you hand it down. So I, my son, I took him to his first game in 95 and we're in the Bobby Moore stand, the new stand, beat Ipswich 2-1. Uh, he's still going. We sit next to each other. That's kind of what the club means to me as much yeah. as uh, the players and the games. But they've been fun as well. Yeah, no, it's true. It is. It's so true. It is. It's not about you know. We you know. It's not about the football. You know, <laughs> we back the wrong horse. Um, if that's the case, but you're right. It's that sort of family connection. It is like a ritual, as you said. You know, you go and get the fish and chips, and 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 it's it's just it's just something about it. And I think that's that's what it's it seems since particularly restart is how much you know, people are dying to get back and just, just seeing their mates, you know, and it's yeah. not necessarily about watching the game. We could be in the championship. We could be in league one. It's not really about that. It's about how the, how the sort of just seeing us, you know, your, obviously your son sit next to you. You've probably got the, you know, the people behind you, yeah. you know, it, it, and you know, you might, might pass them in the street and not realize who they are. But when at West Ham, you just have this togetherness and um, well, it's, it's lovely to see. And, and yeah. I, I, don't, I don't get it as much as the London stadium. I don't want to bang on yeah. about the London stadium uh but i can't there there's there are a few things finer in my life as a memory than walking up the steps at upton park on a night match and when you get to that position where you're looking down on the pitch with the floodlights yeah. and that is absolutely a memory you take to your grave i don't know what it is the atmosphere at those games is always better um it's something special it's a communal kind of connection you've got with the football club, with the area, with your family, with your mates. And I think that's, you know, obviously we think we're special. I'm sure other supporters from other clubs, they'd say the same thing as well. Yeah, I know we're slightly biased, but I get I get quite a lot of other fans from other clubs watching the channel because they they don't have anything like what we do, they say. So, yeah. um, and, it, and I know we're slightly biased, but I think it, I think there's it's grounded in some sort of truth, you know, in terms of the West Ham fans are a, a, a unique bunch. Um, <laughs> they haven't well, had much. They haven't, he said, a lot of thin, not thick. And so they've had... 60,000 average gate uh, yeah. for a club that hasn't won anything for 40 years. Yeah. Not, there's not probably not another club in world football no. with those stats. So yeah. there is something special about it. And 
we'll take it to our grave. And yeah, hopefully we'll win something before then. Um, yes, God, God hoping, God willing, God willing. I mean, I'll, I mean, yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a boring, Kerbishly type season next season. You know, we've had a few too many tight, squeaky bum times for my life. Yeah. You know, over the last couple of years. So I'll take some mid-table. You know, just mediocre positions and then you know we still have our cup finals against Tottenham and Chelsea and and Arsenal every year so you know that that, that does me and I think I think a lot of people you know they go oh we'd love to win the league and stuff like that but I don't think we'd have you know we have so many as you said there's so so much thin and not enough thick when we do have the thick bits we really really appreciate them yeah I I think you're right I think if you support a a team that wins all you know when Liverpool won the league Mm. You know, they deserve to win the league. Yeah. But, oh, they haven't really been going through hell for the last 30 years. They won the European, you know, the Champions League two or three yeah. times in that period. The FA Cup, I mean, they beat us in that final. Yeah. I mean, we'd do anything for a League Cup win. Yeah. But, but when we get wins, good wins, it's brilliant, uh, yeah. particularly against the big clubs. And we know two, three, three or four times a season they'll they'll do it and that's yeah. the thing but it's it's which games and and then you know you'll lose to burnley the next week um because it's the west ham way and so every game you have to tune in because you don't know what's going to happen they're just so unpredictable that's what i love about west ham you just yeah. don't know what you're going to get it's, 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 it's always been like that so yeah <laughs> it's something in the dna you know yeah and it always has been right yeah. let's go on, let's go on to the, the the 11 so obviously you know you mentioned um you know you, you the, the whole idea is so the whole, whole thing is we basically get every guest we get on bar two people i think harry redknapp and ian bishop they never pick their 11 but fair right. enough um everyone else everyone else has picked their 11 so the only rule is you have to be alive to a scene and play now I, i'm not i'm not speaking out of turn jim but you're an experienced <laughs> fan so you have a nice spread maybe I, two I, maybe I've two good all their best players i think you have you've seen um, there all of are them. a few actually in one of the positions in my team there might it might have been filled by another player who i hadn't seen um i decided I, at first i was going to go for the worst west ham 11. oh the sort of team that if i'd been on the bench i would have been very upset if i hadn't got on the pitch <laughs> so i was going to introduce people to players like bertie lutton paul hilton and alan, alan mcknight who until roberto was the worst goalkeeper I'd ever yes. seen, but Roberto stumps them off. But instead of that, yeah, there's enough depressing kind of news for West Ham fans. <laughs> I want to go for something more positive. And my rules are twofold. They're yeah. all players that have been produced by West Ham. Nice. And they have to have played more than 50 games. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to pick necessarily the best players, although I, in a lot of positions I have, some of the players I've picked just because I like them. Yeah, and and they were playing at a period that I really enjoyed going to West Ham. So, um, for instance, Harry Redknapp, you mentioned, I I nearly went with him, but I went with another player on the wing okay. who okay. was more exciting for me. Okay. Um, so I'll I'll start off in the, the first staffing staffing goal. Here we go in goal. Do, the, the goalkeeper I'd probably been picked by a lot of people. Uh, Mervyn Day, yeah, uh, born in Chelmsford. Played for us 194 times. I'm going to be very statistical with this. I like um, I like the stats, yeah. And obviously he was there when we reached the cup final. We won the cup final and the European Cup winners cup final, which which we lost. The thing I loved about Mervyn Day is he just didn't look like a goalkeeper. He looked like he should have been in the choir. He was so <laughs> kind of... I remember my mum, who'd take a fleeting interest in West Ham, 
if the big match was on on a Sunday afternoon, he's a nice boy. If there was a close-up on Mervyn Day, he's a nice boy. <laughs> she was a big fan of his. And he, he obviously, he, like so many players that come through the youth system, they come in, he looked really good. Mm. We all were thinking, England goalkeeper, you know, but he had his flaws. Great shot stopper, sometimes made all the wrong decisions. But I've gone for him just because he looked, he looked so sweet. And he, he looked like a kind of, you know, butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. He was decent. He was in the team that won the cup. So that's yeah. the home produced goalkeeper, Mervyn Day. I'm hoping that it's Trot at the moment we've got is going to turn out to be a good keeper. He looks quite promising. Yeah, they had, and um, what's name played as well? Um, oh, the other lad played um, half an hour. So in gang, yeah, yeah, he, he came on and he, he, they, and he looked really, they, I mean, they literally, there was obviously, I watched a few, a bit of the under 23s, but there's some good play. There was some, there's some big, you know, big sturdy defenders yeah. they've got there. There's a left back who played quite well, and yeah, I'm I'm quietly confident. But yeah, no, it'd be great to see Trot do it, and you know, because he's been sort of. Well, we haven't produced that many goalkeepers. No, we haven't. Not a position we've really thrived in, and, and in my lifetime, Day is the only one who really established himself in the first thing. You're we right. had I mean, terrible keepers around <laughs> about that period. I mean, Alan McKnight, who I mentioned, we got from yeah. somewhere in Scotland. Awful. You know, and then, and then we got Parks, great, yeah. uh, and then up and down. But so Mervyn Day's my keeper, the yeah. the right back. Now, yes. Glenn Johnson is without a doubt the best home produced right back I've I've seen. But he yeah. only played for fifteen times. So I'm going to go with John McDowell, Ooh. who is a little talked about, not yes. much remembered. FA Cup final winner, uh, played two hundred forty nine times. Came from East Ham. And the thing I liked about John McDowell, and this is in retrospect, but at the time I knew I liked it, yeah. is that he had a haircut like Ronald McDonald. He, <laughs> he had this weird sort of permy parting thing. Um, but he was a very good player. He was he could tackle, he could he could distribute the ball, very promising, played many times for the England under 23s. Uh, mm. and then I think he went on to Norwich. But Good player. Uh, yeah. Not as good as Ray Stewart, who, who sort of came after him. But of, of our home-produced players, apart from Johnson, easily the best right-back we've had. Yeah. Um, the next two are pretty obvious. Um, and it's not because they're just great, but I love them as well for different reasons. I feel bad about... These are the centre-backs. I feel yeah. very bad about not finding a place for Albin Martin, who... Um, was a great player for us. Yeah. Seemed a lovely guy. Um, would put his body in front of the ball, which these two players, I wouldn't say always would do. Yeah. But they are so talented that they're not only the best home-produced West Ham players, I think they're the best uh, centre-backs that England's produced since the Second World War. And one of them is obviously Bobby Moore, uh, who I saw play for... Probably five or six seasons. Yeah. And, um, obviously, when I started going, it was just after England had won the World Cup mm. and he was a national hero. Um, I probably didn't appreciate his reading of the game uh, as, as a sort of eight-year-old or whatever it was. But um, superb player um, and just he's in everyone's heart as a West Ham supporter. But very, very sad when he went to Fulham. I remember being very upset that day. Um 
The next player is Rio Ferdinand. So Bobby Moore oh. barking, 544 appearance. Rio Ferdinand, Camberwell, 127. Um, Rio, obviously, I saw right from the beginning, right to the yeah. end of his West Ham career. Straight away looked a player. Absolutely brilliant you know, pace and on the ball, but would, was prone to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, his concentration at that age, I don't know how old he was when he first came in, 18 years old, wasn't the best. But superb player. You know, we knew, again, one of those players, you watch them play 10 times, they're going to play for England. Um, yeah. And I would say one of the players I haven't picked, uh, but is a home-produced player, uh, which is Declan Rice. Um, at this stage of his career, I think Declan isn't as talented as Rio, but reads a game of football and applies himself better than Rio did at the age of 21. Mm-hmm. Um, but loved watching Ferdinand play for the team and really liked his brother as well. Loved yeah. his brother's attitude, Love some of the goals he got. Um, and you can tell that, you know, I, I, that both of them, particularly Anton, have got a huge amount of time for West Ham still. Yeah, we've had him on the show and he's, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. Fantastic, so open and so honest, and and just yeah, you know you, you know when you talk to people and some people you think they've always got a filter on, and yeah. and they always he was just so open. He, he just like laid it all out about West Ham, about what he loved about West Ham, and yeah, it was lovely to hear. And he even spoke about Rio and having to follow in his footsteps and how much of an issue that was to him and. Didn't even have to ask him any questions like that. He just yeah, went no, on for an hour. I can imagine. But I think the um, the thing about when, when, when Rio was playing for us, we had that Redknapp team yeah. that was a joy to watch. Mm. And we took risks. And sometimes mm. he was a bit exposed for, for a young player. But he would also bring the ball out. And mm. I think that when he went to bigger clubs, at first they curbed him doing that. Uh, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I mentioned Rice earlier. Although I think Ferdinand has possibly got more natural talent, Rice has still has also got that ability to bring mm. the ball out, which he doesn't yeah. do as much. In, when he brings the ball out and he stops running, he's very hard to get off that ball. Yeah, I mean, true. Maguire, yeah. the man in the news at the moment, he does that at United. I, I thought about putting Rice as a right back. Because I know he only played there a few times for us, but he played very well at right back. Mm. Uh, but McDowell's haircut won that over <laughs> for him. And I'm not not having Johnny McDowell in the team. Uh, so that that's... And the left-back, uh, again, beyond, belongs to that 70s uh, team that, that got to cup finals, uh, is Frank Lampard Sr. Yeah. Um, a very fine player. There was a sort of swashbuckling kind of thing about Frank that I think gets forgotten quite a lot because Billy Bonds was like the swashbuckler swashbuckler. You yeah. couldn't get more of a pirate than Billy Bonds, <laughs> particularly when he had his beard, you know, and he picked the ball up on a muddy pitch. It was a joy to see him side through. And, it, you know, it hurts me not to put Billy Bonds in our team. He doesn't qualify. He's my favourite uh, West Ham player of all time by a country mile for his attitude and his spirit, and, you know, obviously a great player. You know, I saw him score a hat-trick against Chelsea when we were facing a relegation fight for a defensive midfield player. Wonderful. But Frank yeah. was a really good player, uh, great shot. And um, to sort of remind myself a little bit about this, I watched the highlights of the European Cup Winners' Cup 
final. And of course, I did remember he made that appalling mistake for their first goal, then gets a fantastic shot on for the equaliser. Um, that and the kind of iconic celebration against uh, Everton yeah. in the semi-final FA Cup, he had to be there. Played twice for England. Uh, also, any man who owns a pub and a nightclub is, you know, quite high in my estimation. And I yeah. do believe this is, might be an apocryphal story that he had a, uh, a statue in his living room at home of himself in an England kit. And it, it was it was to scale. It was the same size as Frank. So for all those reasons and his footballing ability, I go with him. And he's he was born in East Ham. He played 551 times for West Ham. These are all league appearances. Yeah. So that's my defence. Dame, nice. McDowell, Moore, Ferdinand, Lampard. Centre-back partnership is brilliant. We could yeah. have had Alvin Martin in there. That would have still been brilliant. We could have had Declan there. It would have been brilliant. We've done quite well at centre-back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Now, I, I, there are a couple of players in my midfield which um, are not there on ability necessarily and will have people shaking their head maybe. But the, <laughs> my right winger is Johnny Harris. Oh, Johnny Harris, uh, yeah. The whopping whippet. Um, he played for us 57 times. Mainly because he was five foot five and only nine stone. And when he first started playing for us, I think he was 17. And um, you actually feared for him every time he went on the pitch. <laughs> he looked like he'd sort of break in half. And there, and there was a sort of game against Chelsea when Chopper Harris just almost lifted him off the pitch. And I think he had to go to the hospital. Right yeah, I, yeah, that was that was he got injured, didn't he? Then I yeah. think that was it. He had buggered up his career or something like that, I think, after that. But he had a he had a thing about him which and the only other player I saw this in was a Millwall player called Gordon Hill, who's a winger. If there's such a thing as a cockney personality in a footballer, both of those players had it. They had a sort of cheek and impudence about them that was a joy to watch. And although he his career, I think he retired when he was twenty-four. Yeah. Um for me, if I played fifty-seven times for West Ham, I'd be delighted with that. Yeah. Um but He's just a favourite of mine. I, I couldn't not have him in the team because I would just watch the guy, really enjoy his skill, but just also be wishing he's not going to get thumped. I also watched, I saw Redknapp play a number of times. And, and the, the thing that I most remember about Redknapp, which is ironic considering what happened afterwards, is the way that Billy Bonds used to look after him. Yeah. So <laughs> in a match, if, if Harry got, clattered because harry's quite he wasn't a bad player but he he was quite slender as well yeah he wasn't in the johnny Ayres league he wasn't a matchstick but he wasn't he wasn't a he didn't look that big um but bonds would sort out whoever had got him he'd yeah. sort of protect him um i preferred Ayres. i like yeah. red map preferred Ayres. um now i don't really think i need a defensive midfield player here but i'm going to pick one Really, with the team I've got, my midfield player next would have probably been Martin Peters on talent or Frank Lampard Jr. Yeah. But I'm not going to go for those two players. I'm going to go for George Paris nice. uh, from Barking. 239 appearances for us at fullback and in midfield. Because 
once again, he was a player as a fan that you identified with. You know, he had his song, Georgie Takes No Shit. He, he was a tough guy, but he was a sort of gentle giant. He could dish it out, but there was something very placid about him on the pitch and sort of, he didn't really like hurting people. That's what I like to believe. Mm -hmm. um, had a decent shot. He, he was, I think he played about 28 times in the season when we finished third. So he wasn't a mug as a player. And yeah. quite interesting when we, you're talking about Moyes and being practical, it's always forgotten that there are players like that in teams mm. who don't make the headlines, who aren't maybe the most naturally gifted, that every team needs. You know, yeah, the... um, I remember I've got a, a, a celebrity mate who's a Man City team. And, um, oh, fuck, I forgot. <laughs> the, I asked him who the Man City players liked. Yeah. Who's their favourite player? And it wasn't, this was like seven or eight years ago. It wasn't any of the fancy players. It was, and I've got, forgot the player's name. Fernandinho? Like, no, the, the English player played for England many times. Gareth midfield Barry. player. Uh, not Barry. Um, yeah, it was Gareth Barry. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. So he, he said he talks to the players. He says, who, you know, who, Gareth, and they said, Gareth Barry, because wherever I am on the pitch, I can look up and Gareth Barry will be there yeah. to take a pass. Mm. And uh, as, you know, we think we know about football, we don't really. No, and no. I think people who work in the game can pick that out in players. And I think Paris was a very, very useful player for us. Mm. But more importantly, he was my gentle giant. He had a great smile, but he could boot someone all over the pitch. So <laughs> I'm going to put him in there. And because right. I think being West Ham, even though we've got some great players in this team, we need to not take any risks. Yeah, and you're right what you said about the bats or the uh, the sort of those sort of not unglamorous players, but those sort of seven out of ten players. Yeah. Because when you interview the, because when I interview ex players, I say, watch, you know, you get they give their eleven as well, and there's players that always appear in those elevens, which never appear in fans' elevens. So it might be, you know, it might be interviewing Mad Dog or or Johnny yeah. or, or you know or Bish or something like that, and they all put Pete Butler in their team. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, we he, he had that, yeah. Exactly. And and similarly, in the modern, sort of the modern era, everyone puts Hayden Mullins in their team. Yeah. No, and I we can were, see that with both and of those. And it's the same yeah. what you were saying. Exactly. It was really interesting. Really interesting. Well, if, you look at, if you look at our current team, a lot of our fans don't seem to like four nows. Yeah. And I, I don't think he's come off completely, but you can see that he is available all the time, yeah. that player. And obviously Bowen is as well. And Bowen's obviously done better so far. But if I was a player playing for West Ham, Jared Bowen, with the amount of work he goes through, mm. plus his skill, you know, he's not in the same class as Anderson as yeah. on the ball. Anderson could be a great player, but there's obviously something missing there. So, yeah, Paris is, is my workhorse yeah. in midfield. Because <laughs> next to him, uh, I've got the gentleman of Barking, uh, so Trevor, Trevor Brookie. Yeah. 528 appearances. Uh, probably gave the best performance I've seen from a West Ham player in a match, which was my favourite ever game, which was a night match at Upton Park, the uh, the 76 European Cup Winners' Cup semi-final against Eintracht Frankfurt. Yes. Uh, Brooking scored two goals. They're both really good goals. Clips, I think, are probably played quite a lot before the matches. I, I can't remember yeah. somebody played... Um, but he was absolutely sublime on that night. And these pitches were not like they are now. You know, they, 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 it was mud. 
He picked his way through it, no pace, but could turn a player with his body, um, could score really good goals, brilliant passer of the ball, um, just just a fantastic player. And also, when my son was about three, <laughs> we were uh, I was doing the, the classic sort of husband uh, Christmas Eve dash to try and get some presents. <laughs> and I took my boy with me. And we were on Oxford Street and I was walking down the road and coming towards me is Trevor Brookie. So I thought, mm, I don't like saying that. I said, I've got it. I said, look, I'm sorry stopping you. Really loved you playing, you know, watching you play and talked about the eye track. Gentleman, talked to my son, who even at three knew how to, knew to say, come on, you irons. Mm. Um, wonderful player. And, you know, I wish he'd managed us for a longer period of time. I think yeah. he would have been a good manager. But he's probably sane enough not to want the grief that comes with that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's my, you know, wizard in the middle of midfield. Sounds great. And on the left, even though that may not be his best position, but he played there for England a number of times, I picked Joe Carl uh, from Paddington, 157 appearances. Um, again, with Joe Carl, although he had a really, really good career, uh, the thing about him that was so exciting is when he first came in the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in that, he was clearly a guy who loved to play football. To, to the extent where sometimes he did things he didn't have to do. You know, he, he did too mean. much. You know, I remember watching when we won the um, the Youth Cup, when we won 6-0 uh, some part. Uh, he just tore, I think we were playing college, he just tore them apart yeah. on his own. Um, wonderful, wonderful player. Uh when he came back, I thought he was decent. Uh, shows a lot of respect for the club. He, again, he's another person that I was a. I, I used to run at Greyhounds at Wimbledon, and mm. uh, one Christmas we decided to have an office drink up at Wimbledon. He was there. It was when he was playing with Lille in France. He had a little loan period. He was there with his pals. He'd obviously taken them all all there in a minicab. And anyway, we chatted to him a bit. He got chatting to two friends of mine who owned dogs. About three days later, just between Christmas and New Year, this woman, this woman was going up to Liverpool on the train and someone tapped her on the back. It was Joe Cole. He said, do you remember me? You know, and started talking to her, like just like an ordinary person. Yeah. He was going up to do some, some, I think, some media work. Very sound bloke. Uh, I'd love it if he came back as a coach oh, yeah, West Ham. I, I suspect he's going to end up at Chelsea. Um, but when he was good, he was really, really good. And I wish we'd hold on to him. You know, all those players from that era, we would have had yeah. some team. But yeah. I, I, yeah. you have to give Redknapp a lot of credit for some of these players who came through because mm. they played with a real freedom mm. under him. And that was a, a you know, since we stop winning things in 1980 that's been our best period yeah oh definitely definitely three or four seasons under red nap where we played great football we had decanio we had all these wonderful english players uh and i think we'd take that again you know sometimes oh. finish seventh or fifth would be fantastic wouldn't it yeah, um so joe cole there uh up front um i thought about jermaine defoe because i think he's a great finisher Yep. But I couldn't really go with him because I had to go with someone who's West Ham through and through as my small striker, and that's Tony Cotty. 
Um, Forest Gate, 279 appearances. I saw his debut against Tottenham, which was on New Year's Day, I think. And I had a terrible hangover. <laughs> we, I think we beat him 3-0. He yeah. scored. Uh, impish, enthusiastic, great finisher. And we really lacked that. I mean, when him and McAvenny were working together, you know, dynamite. Uh, that's the last time we had a great strike partnership. Yeah. And Dean Ashton's the last time we had a great striker. You know, very unlucky with him. And we just, it seems to be a, a position where we're cursed, particularly buying players. I mean, <laughs> in, in my worst 11, if I picked John Radford, would have had a very good chance. I mean, yes. I think he played for 70 times and scored once. And it, it was like, you know, when you've got a horse that's fallen over at loads of fences. And some canny owner sells it off to a mug. That's what we've got with Radford. You know, he'd been a great player and then we buy him. And, yeah. you know, that is a pattern that seems to, to you know, repeat itself a lot. But we just, and we don't, we don't produce many centre forwards. It's not a position that we've been, midfield we've been strong in, as we talked earlier, the centre-half position. Um, but goalkeepers and strikers, not really, you know, and... Mm. Um, Defoe was the last one, yeah. uh, but Cotty enjoyed both these periods as a West Ham player, and um, got to pick him. Yeah, and next to him, there's only one player, which is Jeff Hurst, uh, who I saw play probably for about five or six seasons. Born in Ashton under line, 411 appearances, and I, I love the way he puffed his cheeks. <laughs> That was the sort of the little characteristic about uh, Jeff Hurst that I, I really enjoyed the, the most. And he, he was, Ashton's the only other player we've had since then. He, he had a real shot on him. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. when I watch Haller play, he's clearly a very talented player. He scored two or three really good goals, very skillful goals. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem one of those players who it came to him. He could just boot it what like a rocket. Yeah. You know, the way that Shearer can do the way the the young lad at united's already doing that was it mason greenwood yeah yeah Haller can't do that hurst could do that he had a mm. wonderful shot on him he's great in the air um he scored three goals in the world cup final he came out of our academy you've got to have him in the team uh i've got a signed book from him which is you know pride of place on, yeah. on my uh bookshelf <laughs> uh so he cotty and hurst that's oh. my Forward. If I had to pick a manager, I think I'd go for Harry Redknapp because yeah, even though no, John Lyle is kind yeah. of my favourite manager, I think Harry would have a lot of fun with those players. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And 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 I I agree with what you said about that Redknapp era. That was arguably my well, I'm not as experienced as you, Jim, and and uh, you know that was incredible. That whole sort of it was like a tapestry. It was like a soap opera that era. It's just just crazy. You'd have like you know the, the old pretenders and the young guys and the foreigners, and it was well, we brilliant. had all these sort of you know beating beating teams five four that were going to yeah. go down, and you know we let in loads of goals. Yeah, we did. When we finished fifth, I think we had a minus goal difference. <laughs> We've got some real thumpings. But but then we played brilliant on occasion. And, yeah. um, you know, we got to see... I mean, I think, you know, the, the seasons that Canio had under Redknapp were fantastic. And, yeah. you know, it was a shame with, with, with Payat that he had that one great season. Mm. Um, yeah, no, so Redknapp would be my manager. 
Um, and that'd be it. The team would play at Upton Brilliant. Park. Uh, <laughs> they'd play in the, the kit we wore in the 1976 European Cup Finals. Nice. nice. And nice there'd only be one substitute. We'd go back to old school, and that would be Declan Rice. Nice. Because obviously he could cover a number of positions as well. So it's he very. Co- I'm, I'm sure he could play up front. Yeah. I yeah, don't yeah, think yeah. anything that boy couldn't do. No, I love him. I love him. And, and uh, I, yeah. Uh, you know, we someone someone at Rice. You know, the, the next season, make him make him team captain. Uh, Mark Mark will always be club captain. Make deck, yeah. deck team captain. If he wants another fifty grand a week, give him another fifty grand a week. You know what I mean? It's like keep him, make him feel loved. And um, I don't think. Well, we've only got a couple of weeks, haven't we, until until the season starts? But then, because uh, I think the, the transfer window don't, don't close to like end of October. Oh, I think, it, it goes on forever. And I, oh, I think, I, I mean, Chelsea are spending so much money, and I, yeah. I don't know whether this is true or not. But I was I was looking at Twitter uh, before I came on the call, and um, Rio Ferdinand saying that Lampard is going in for Messi. Well, yeah, he's he's put he's put a transfer request in this tonight, yeah. apparently. So, but yeah. I, I'm we'll not see. sure that's the position they well, of course, any no. they have got a very good creative midfield player at Chelsea. They He's do, they player. do. Uh, yeah, they do. But I think uh, and Chelsea are after Thiago Silva, aren't they, as a yeah. centre back? So that's I mean, Lamp- Lampard's got this thing of putting deck in centre back, isn't he? So mm-hmm. as his John Terry Mark two. So hopefully that will uh, that will quell at least for this season. So yeah. Thiago Silva. No, I think but, I think we'll get a, another season out of Declan yeah, and with I him think. and Suchek and Bowen oh. in, in midfield, you've got that's hard working, yeah, you know, very solid. And I, I'd just like to see Declan, you know, got that great goal against Watford. Yeah, I, it's great that both him and Suchek can get forward. Declan can bring the ball forward. I mean, it, it's, it's depressing, but he probably made more dribbles yeah. last season than, than Anderson. Oh, yeah, definitely. You Most know, the Anderson definitely. who the season before that great when we beat Arsenal. And he, he he altered his gloves on a run past an Arsenal player. I mean, that was like the Canio like arrogance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he went from that to being scared to get the football. It's weird, isn't it? It's, it's so strange. It's the I, I call it. It's, it's the Sebastian Schemmel syndrome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he was hammer the year one year. Next year, he was like, <laughs> where is he gone? Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it happens too often uh, with us, Jim. Man, it, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to no, you. I really enjoyed it, Russ. I really loved it. Thank you so much for your yeah. time. I appreciate the effort. No. And obviously, thank you to everyone as well for watching or, or listening. If you're listening on the podcast or, or YouTube, whatever you are, subscribe. And until next time, for me and Jim, uh, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Come on, you irons. And we'll see you again very, very soon. Good night. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. And good night. God. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.